Good morning, Rose Bauer. I hope you all are doing great on this Sunday morning, the Lord's Day. Let's all begin in worship. Let's all stand, and we're going to sing Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. I once was lost. was blind but now i see was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved how precious did that grace appear the sing victory in Jesus. I heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary. about him. 
of his cleansing power revealing how he made the lame to walk again and cause the blind to see and then i cried dear jesus come and heal my broken spirit and somehow jesus came and brought to me the victory Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory. Beneath the cleansing flood I heard about a mansion He has built for me in glory And I heard about the streets of gold Beyond the crystal sea About the angels singing And the old redemption story some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me be seated.
is, but uh, it, 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 it's a good one, I'm sure. So anyway, we're going to the book of Psalms, chapter 40, verse 16 through 17. It says, let all of those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. It's a capital Y, talking about God. Let such as love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. Let those who seek you rejoice. Are you seeking God this morning? Because if you are, you can rejoice. You can be glad. Let such as love your salvation say continually, let him be glorified, magnified. But I am poor and needy. As much as we can rejoice God and love on God and, 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 and magnify him, but we can also go to him in our time of need because we're a poor and needy bunch. Yet the Lord thinks upon me, you are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. Do you realize God is thinking of you this morning? He's thinking of you personally. He's got your name on his heart. So I pray that you will open your heart for him today and let him speak to you. Let him reveal himself to you in a mighty way. Let him change your life today in such a way that it will not only please him, but it will be a blessing to you and to this church and this community. We love you guys. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. God, I just praise you and thank you for letting me be a part of this people, this family. And I pray a blessing upon them. I pray, God, you'll speak to their hearts and you'll help them to understand what direction you want them to go in and who you want them to be. Lord, I pray that as you come this morning and speak through Brother Justin, that you will Reveal yourself to us in a mighty way. God, we just praise you and thank you for loving us. We're, not un we're unlovable. God, I pray for Rosebower Baptist Church. I pray that you will continue to mold and shape and guide and direct and use for your glory. Lord, I thank you thank you enough for allowing me to be a part of this, your church. And it's in your blessed name we pray. This next song we're going to sing, this has been the song of the month for January. Of course, you know we'd like to focus in on one song, sing it all month long for every service on Sunday. Um, it's a good opportunity for us to learn a new song, potentially, uh, but to meditate on the message of the song and how it speaks to us, how it can encourage us, um, and how, you know, how it can motivate us to serve God a little bit better. So this, this month's song has been, Lord, I Need You. Um, next month, we're going to be looking at Psalm 84 by Shannon Chain. So uh, get ready for it. We're going to sing it next week. If you all stand, we'll continue in worship. We'll sing, Lord, I Need You. Lord, I come. I confess. Bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart 
the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. Where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found is where you are. And where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness, oh God. When temptation comes my way And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you Jesus, you're my hope and stay And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you Jesus, you're my hope and stay
Dear Lord, we thank you that you are holy, God. We thank you that we can come together and to worship you with those words, God, today, knowing that we will ultimately worship you forever with those words, Lord, in heaven, in your presence, as we all long to be with you, God. We pray that you would be with Brother Justin today as he brings us your word, Lord, that you would speak through him to us, God, and that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive your word and let it impact us, Lord, and let it change us. In thy name I pray. have your Bibles with you this morning, I want to ask you to turn with me to Luke chapter 19. We'll begin reading together in verse 1. Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. We have began, or begun... (laughs) Our reading through the New Testament together, and we began in the book of Luke. Uh, we are continuing our reading through the Gospel of Luke, and tomorrow will be Luke 21. I know our bulletin's messed up a little bit. It'll be days 21 through 25 this upcoming week, um, and so we're going to finish out the book of Luke together. Our reading this week, we've, uh, we've come to a very familiar story Um, the story with a man named Zacchaeus. And we're pretty familiar with Zacchaeus, even from a young age that we learned that Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he, right? He was a small man in stature. We learned that it was he was so small and so short that he couldn't see Jesus. Jesus is coming to town. But there's great and large crowds that are gathering around him, and Zacchaeus is not able to see him because he is so short. So what does Zacchaeus do? He climbs a tree. What kind of tree? Sycamore tree. Sycamore. So he gets up in this tree, in this sycamore tree, so that he can see Jesus. And as he gets up in the tree that Jesus is walking and the crowds are around him, that he now sees a man that is in a tree. And he, and, and, he, and he calls him and says, Zacchaeus, come down. And he, he invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. When I was little, I was taught it was rude to invite yourself to someone's house, that you just don't do that, Right? My kids do it all the time now, especially with Nana and, uh, and things. So that They just want to invite themselves over to someone else's house, and we're having to tell them, no, that's rude. You don't do that. They have to ask you to come over. Well, in this culture, that's exactly what Jesus does. He invites himself over for dinner at Zacchaeus' house, but that is very common in this culture. All right, this is, this is not as rude as we would see it today, but instead this is common in this culture. So he says, Zacchaeus, come down from there. And then he's, he, he's, he invites himself over to dinner at Zacchaeus' house. But then he says this, for salvation has come to your house today. <laughs> this story teaches us a great deal about the purpose of Jesus coming to this earth to seek and to save that which is lost. 
So if you will, will you stand to your feet and we're going to read this familiar passage of Scripture this morning. Luke 19, beginning in verse 1, the Word of God said this, says this. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was short of stature. So he ran ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and he came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He is gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Let us pray. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house with this, your people, to sing praises to your most holy name, to read from your word. And Lord, we pray now that you'll give us ears to hear, a mind to understand, and a heart to apply this to our daily life. God, by your spirit, speak to our life this morning in only a way you can. For it's in most Jesus, it's the most powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you. This morning, as we look to the story of Zacchaeus, there's two things in particular we want to notice about Zacchaeus, which teaches us a lot about Jesus, teaches us a lot about ourselves, and the purpose of Jesus' ministry and why he came to this earth. The first thing I want you to notice when we're talking about Zacchaeus is his stature. His stature. Um, as we begin reading this passage, there's a few things that he tells us about Zacchaeus, uh, who he is, or who he was, and the first thing we learned about him is he's a tax collector, right? He's a tax collector, which ultimately means that he is hated by his own people. He is hated by the Jews, because being a tax collector, here at this time, Zacchaeus was a Jew, but he was working for the Roman government to collect taxes from the Jewish people, his own people, and to send to the Roman government. And so you see why the Jews wouldn't like him very much, because he's taken their money to give to the Romans. And not only that, but the Romans would allow him to take any extra percentage that he wanted to add to the tax and keep it for himself. All right? And so this man, what we see next is he's rich, and that's why he was getting rich of stealing from the Jewish people taken for himself and then given the rest to the Roman government. So he would have been hated by the Jews. He would have been thought of as a traitor to his own people, even to his own family. They would have disowned him because of his profession, because of his profession and what he, what he did of stealing from his own people. How could he do such a thing? But not only was he a tax collector, but what does it say? He's a chief. 
tax collector. All right? So there are three, basically, tax collectors in Israel in this particular time, Jericho being one of them. And he was, the, when it comes to tax collector, he was the chief of the tax collectors. And so he would be the chief of all the tax collectors, and he would have been seen as a traitor of his people, not liked by his people, disowned by his family. The only friends he would have had would have been other tax collectors, but even at the same time, they probably wouldn't like him very much either because he was chief even among the tax collectors, and so they probably would even think of him as a traitor. And so he lived a very lonely life. Not many friends, no real family, very lonely. But what the Bible says is he was rich, all right? He's a tax collector, chief tax collector, and he is absolutely rich. The reason why is because he's taken from his own people and he's kept for himself. And so what we know about Zacchaeus, he's rich, he's a tax collector. Most likely he's not a very good person because he's stealing from others to keep for himself. He's not a godly person. He's, uh, he's this tax collector. He's rich. But then thirdly, we learn about his stature that he is very short. Or small in stature is what my translation says. Now, historically speaking, men in the first century, they would have, the average, uh, the, the average height would have been from 5'1 to 5'5. So Kenneth Perkins would have been a giant in this day. All right? five-fold thumb, right? He walking around that way. These men in the Middle East at this time, they've been 5-1 to 5-5. Five, five. So for them to say that he was small in stature, that he was short, he had to be in the four-foot range, right? He had to be somewhere in the four-foot range for him to be recognized. I mean, it's in the Scripture. Like, he, he was so short that they added that, too, that he was small in stature. So in my mind, I'm thinking of Danny DeVito in a tunic, right? Some of you may know him, short, bald guy. That's what I'm thinking. I might be completely wrong, but that's what comes to my mind when I think of this man who is short in a four-foot range. So Zacchaeus is a small guy. He is a rich tax collector. And on this day, Jesus is coming to town in Jericho. And there's these large cows gathering around to hear this Jesus because they've heard of this Jesus. And now they want to see Jesus and his miracles that he is performing and his teaching and how he is teaching. And so they're all gathering around him. And Zacchaeus is so small, he couldn't see Jesus. So he goes up ahead of where Jesus is going and he climbs up in a sycamore tree. Now, this idea of just even climbing up in a tree would have been unheard of for a man of this caliber in this day. It would have been thought of as undignified. It is more of a childish thing. Not many men today climb up in a tree unless you're deer hunting, right? We, it's not just something we do today, just go in the climb. When we're kids, we climb trees and do those things, but the older that we get, the more sophisticated or scared of heights we get, and so we stay on the ground. But here is a man who is, who, who is rich, he has clout, he's a chief of the tax collectors, and in this day it would have been thought of as undignified. It, with the man of this clout, of his wealth, to do such a thing, but Zacchaeus, in this moment, this day, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He had to see what all the fuss was about with this Jesus. So he climbs up in this tree. 
And it says that as Jesus comes by, he sees Zacchaeus in the tree. And Jesus, Jesus says to him, come down, for I must stay at your house today. And it says, it says in verse 6, so Zacchaeus makes haste. He does what Jesus says. He comes down and he received him joyfully. He received Jesus joyfully. He was so ecstatic about the invitation from Jesus. You know, and really he was invited to his own house, but he was so ecstatic because he has heard about this Jesus. He wanted to know about this Jesus. And he is absolutely filled with joy. But not everybody's filled with joy. Look at that verse, next verse. But when they saw it, speaking of the crowd, who's in the crowd? There's a lot of Pharisees. There were a lot of religious people who are walking and, and, and walking with him and hearing from him. And it says, when they saw it, they all, my translation says, complained. Yours may say grumbled, groaned, but that's the whole idea. Like Zacchaeus, this tax collector, Jesus comes to his house. He's filled with joy. But the religious people are filled with hearts that are complaining. They're whining. They, they can't believe that Jesus would spend his time with a wicked sinner like Zacchaeus. In their mind, Zacchaeus is a waste of Jesus' time. Like, go heal someone who's sick or go, go, go care for someone else. But don't, don't mess with Zacchaeus. He's too far gone. He's too wicked. He's a traitor. He's rich. He don't need you, Jesus. They complain and they whine and they get aggravated that Jesus is spending his time with Zacchaeus. So we see his stature here as a man. He's rich. He's a tax collector. But most of all, we see in Scripture, he, he's short. But the second thing I want you to see about Zacchaeus is his status. We talked about, socially speaking, he's an outcast because of his profession. He would have been thought of as worse than an, an, an IRS agent. It's someone worse than that who's collecting your money and, and you feel is stealing from you. He was an outcast socially, but I want us to look further than his social, how they would receive him socially, his status there. I want to look at his spiritual status. What we know of Zacchaeus in this moment, spiritually speaking, he was dead. Spiritually speaking, he was empty on the inside. He had all the money he could ever want, his bank account was full, but spiritually speaking, he was completely empty on the inside. He was a sinner in need of a Savior. And the truth is, when we are apart from Jesus Christ, this is true of all of us. When we're born into this world, we're apart from Christ. We are born children of wrath. And ultimately, we are in need of a Savior. We are a sinner in need of a Savior. Oh, because when we're born in this world, we're born children of wrath. And what the Bible says is by our nature, we do sinful things. And, and then in Romans, Paul tells us the wages of our sin is death and the wrath of God for all of eternity. So that's what we learn is true of Zacchaeus, which is what is true of all of humanity when we're born in this world. And so here, the crowd had written off any chance for Zacchaeus to receive grace from God. He was too wicked. He was too sinful. He was too much of a traitor. But this story shows us a Savior who is willing to pursue all kinds of sinners. 
There is no sin that is too bad. There is no place you can go that is too far. There is no amount of time that is too long for the grace of Jesus to cover your sins and to be made righteous because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's what the story is teaching us. There's no sinner that is too bad, too wicked, or too far gone. And that's the time, that's why we get excited about this. That's why we say amen. Why? Because we're all Zacchaeus when we're born in this world. We're all him. And truthfully, that's our testimony. We are all sinners saved by God's grace. Some might be better at sinning than others, but we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God is what Paul says. And we are all in need of grace. Grace that only Jesus can provide. So, we've all sinned. We all need the grace for salvation through Jesus. And may we never doubt the power and the ability of God to reach and to save a man's soul. Zacchaeus was a short man, as we mentioned, as Scripture mentioned. But the real stature of a man is not measured in how tall he stands. But the real measure, or the stature of a man is measured in how low he bows and surrender to King Jesus. Zacchaeus might have been the shortest man in the crowd on this day, but he's fixing to be the tallest man in the crowd on this day because of knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior of his life. That's the real stature of a man, knowing Jesus as he's about to become the tallest man in the crowd because he bows very low and surrender to Jesus. Look in verse 8. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I'll restore fourfold. Stop there just for a moment. Zacchaeus is convicted of his sin. Zacchaeus is convicted of stealing from other people, of understanding that's a sin, that you can't take from someone that don't belong to you. That ultimately that is a sin before a holy and righteous God. And when you steal from others, it is as if you're stealing from God. And on that day, he's convicted by stealing from all of these people. And now he is responding in repentance. Notice how he repents. He confesses his wrongdoings. And he demonstrates, not only does he confess and say, you're right, God, that's sin. But he follows it up with action. He says, God, if I've taken anything from anyone, I will restore it fourfold. Now, the Jewish law, if you've ever got caught from stealing from another, you would be expected to repay 20% above what you stole. Here, you can see the repentant heart of Zacchaeus because he's willing to repay 400% above and beyond what he stole. You can just tell in his heart the repentance and faith that he has by meeting Jesus, and he's repenting of his sin. And he demonstrates that repentance by making it right, by vowing to make it right. So Jesus, speaking to the tax collector, speaking to a traitor, says this in verse 9. And Jesus said, Today, salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to say that which was lost. It says, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to your house today. Get this. We are saved by God's grace, but what that looks like in our life, salvation is made present in our life through repentance and faith. 
repentance and faith. That's what it looks like even on a daily basis. We're constantly repenting of our sins, placing our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't continue down the road of sin. We don't continue doing the same old sin over and over. Now, do we sin? Yes. Why? Because we still wrestle with the flesh. But we'll repent of that sin. Why? Because the Spirit of God lives inside of us and it will convict us and it will cause us to repent and place our faith in Jesus. And that's exactly what we see in Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus' response to Jesus Christ when he met him was repentance and faith. And then the story ends with the thesis statement of the entire book of Luke. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He's making it abundantly clear the mission of Jesus is to pursue sinful, wicked humanity. (laughs) He did not come to save those who think they have it all together. He did not come to save those who are good people. He come to seek and to save those who are lost. Lost in their sins. Those who are running from Jesus. He came to seek those who have lost. Ultimately, he's saying he's come to pursue you and he's come to pursue me. For we are all born in this world sinful in need of a Savior. And get this, as he has pursued you and he has pursued me, what he's telling us is he's pursuing the biggest drug dealer in McCracken County. He's pursuing the biggest drunk in McCracken County. He is pursuing the biggest thief in McCracken County. And because God knows no bounds and he has the power and the ability to save those who are lost. And he is seeking and pursuing those who are running in their sins. So I want to ask you two things this morning. Number one is this. Have you responded to the Lord Jesus Christ in repentance and faith today? Not asking you, do you know about Jesus? Stories about Jesus. Verses about Jesus. Not asking, have you prayed a prayer one time in your life? I'm asking, do you know the Savior of this world in a personal and real way? Like Zacchaeus does. By repenting of your sins and placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of life before it's everlasting too late. And if you say, yes, Justin, I do. I have a real relationship with him. I repent of my sins. I'm, 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 I'm reading the word. I'm, I'm, I'm following him and obeying his word. And I put my trust in him. Uh, I, I, I know J- Jesus as Lord and Savior. I know I know him. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know him as Lord and Savior in my life. My second question is this. Who are the people in your life right now who need to see Jesus? Who are the people in your life right now, your friends, your family, your neighbors, Ones you work with, who are in, who can you identify in your life right now who are like Zacchaeus who needs to see Jesus? Because one of the big things that jumps out at me at this story is verse 7 when the religious people are complaining. You know what that means? The people who were the Pharisees, the religious leaders today, the ones who should have been bringing other people to Jesus saying, You've got to meet this Jesus. You've got to see this Jesus. They wasn't doing that. What were they doing? They were a hindrance for people seeing Jesus because they were in the way. They were in the way. Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus. Why? Because the Pharisees were in the way. 
They were in between him and Jesus, and he had to climb up just so he could see. And sometimes if we're not careful in a lost and dying world, we can be a hindrance from people seeing Jesus and not a help for people seeing Jesus. So the question is, how can we, as the people of God, as we go out these doors, how can we be a help and not a hindrance so that people can know Jesus as Lord and Savior of their lives? Let's just think through those. And that's what I want to ask you, your discipleship partner that you have this week. Ask, what, what is a specific way that you can work on of being a help so that people can see Jesus? I know for me it's this. So many times I major on the minors. That's what the Pharisees did. They major, I'm, I'm a recovering Pharisee every single day of my life. I want you to know, anytime you see Pharisee in the Bible, it's Justin Mason. It's me, right? That's me. I'm just like him. I'm just like I'm a rule follower. I love rules. I love structure. It gives me life and energy. I love it so very much. And what you have to be aware of and be careful of when you're like that, you will major on the minors. You will major on the minors. What do I mean by that? You will major on secondary issues that don't matter. How someone dresses, how someone talks, how someone acts, all of those things is what we worry about. But what's most important is do they know Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life? That's the primary issue, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because in my opinion, all of those other secondary issues, Jesus will take care of. When they come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life, they, they may, they're going to talk different. When Jesus becomes Lord and Savior of their life, they're going to act different. When Jesus becomes Lord and Savior of their life, those who are thieves are not going to steal anymore. Those who are drunks are not going to become drunk anymore. God's going to do a transforming work in their heart. That's not left up to you. That's not left up to me. The only thing that's left up to us as believers of the Lord Jesus Christ is to share the gospel to a lost and dying world. So for me, I can't major on the minors. The world is going to be sinful. They're going to act sinful. They're going to do sinful things. They're going to celebrate sinful things. They're going, to, they're going to uphold sinful things. And it's going to break our heart. But as it breaks our heart, may it break our heart because it means they don't know Jesus. Don't let us try to correct all of their behavior. That's not the problem. Their behavior is not the problem. The problem is their heart. They don't know Jesus and their heart is hard to the gospel of Jesus Christ and it's causing them to act in sinful way. So we're not trying to correct, correct their behavior. We're trying to, trying to get them to meet Jesus, the author and the creator of our faith, so that they may know him before it's everlasting too late and they experience all of eternity in a place called hell and the wrath of God. That's mine. What's yours? What's yours? Talk with your discipleship partner this week. What is something you can do to be a help so that people may see Jesus in you and you're not being a hindrance? Do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life? If not, I'm going to ask you to come. Respond in repentance and faith today before it's everlasting too late. Let us pray. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for this time together in your house as a family, with friends, with family, with your people that you have given to us 
as an encouragement. Lord, I'm so thankful for this people. So thankful for this day. So thankful for your word. I'm so thankful for your truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, into this world, robed in flesh, to be like us, to live a life that we could never live, a perfect, righteous life, to die the death that we deserve to die. And on the third day, you raised him so that we may have life and life everlasting for any and all who call upon the name of Jesus. Lord, you know the ones that are here this morning that are far from you. God, I pray that you may convict them, draw them to yourself before it's everlasting too late, that they may know you and respond in repentance and faith. And for those of us who are here that know Jesus as Lord and Savior, God, I pray that you help us to help others see you, know you, follow you, and not be a hindrance to the gospel. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Will you stand your feet and respond in a way that is pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ? Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portals, he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Should we tarry when Jesus is pleading, pleading for you and for me? Why should we linger and heed not his mercies, mercies for you and for me? Thank you so much for being here in God's house this morning. Pray blessings upon you and your family. Um, got a few announcements for you, and then we'll be dismissed. Uh, just a reminder for our servant leadership team, they're meeting today directly after service. Uh, meet in the fellowship hall. We have some sandwiches provided for you there. You're, uh, you're going to have a small prayer once you get there, and then you go ahead and get started with uh, the eating, and we'll have a meeting right afterwards. That is for 
husband and their spouse, we invite you to join us. And then also this Wednesday night, it's our first night back to Awana. First night back to Awana for our children. That's going to meet at 6.30 here in the sanctuary. So Awana at 6.30 in the sanctuary. The youth will meet upstairs in the youth room at 6.30. And then the adults and the fellowship hall for our adult Bible study. Uh, that's all at 6.30 Wednesday night. Don't miss it. Uh, hope that you can be there and make plans to be there. As it's going to be Michael's last night with the kids. And so come and... Uh, be here with them. Also, want to give you kind of an update of what we, we've got three ladies that's going to help with this children's ministry as Michael has, is, is leaving. There's a big hole to fill. Um, and so, temporarily in that time, uh, we've got three ladies, which would be Kendra, Leah, and Kanisha, um, that are going to help with the children's ministry to keep it rolling while we put together a search team. Um, and then begin our process of looking for a children's minister that way. So today in our leadership team meeting, we're going to approve that search team, and then we'll bring it back to the church on February 12th to approve that by the church to get that going. Uh, but that's just a heads up on the plan uh, for our children's ministry, and we're so thankful for these ladies to be able to step up and keep that thing, uh, keep the children's ministry rolling and, and doing well. So we're really thankful for them this morning. And then also our daily Bible reading plan for this week. I do apologize. Don't look at the bulletin. It's wrong. <laughs> um, it's days 21 through 25, Luke 21 tomorrow. Now, Luke 21 tomorrow. If you have any problems with that, please let me know, uh, and I will help you out with that. I promise we'll get on. It'll, it'll be easy as we go. But if you have any problems, let me know. And then also, on <laughs> right back there by the stained glass windows to the right, there's a little plaque you'll see on the wall as you go through that door. That is from True Life Community Church. They, they made a plaque and put a picture of the bus that we gave to them. They wrapped it in, you know, in the, their new design, True Life Community Church. And so they sent a plaque to us saying, thank you for your willingness to contribute to this church plant um, in St. Charles, Missouri, so that they ultimately, uh, they're reaching kids for the cause of Christ, and they're putting that bus to good work. And so you guys did an amazing job. Go by and see that plaque um, as you leave today. And we've got some other things coming up in the month of December. Be prepared for, but we'll give you more announcements as that goes. Merry Christmas to all. <laughs> I said December. Are you sure? I got MS, guys. And that's what it, I'm blaming. I got a disease. Uh, if you'll stand to your feet before I mess up any further. We are going to ask Michael and Beth to come forward. Um, if you guys will come forward, stand right here. We're going to pray over them and send them out. We are going to have a time of an ordination, a gospel ordination.